This podcast is brought to you by StoreMaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StoreMaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Once you have kids, you say, hey, you know, very young age, you know, playing tic-tac-toe, that's a game. Playing charades, that's a game. My definition, everyone in the world is a gamer. You have to have the creative that speaks to that player and that user, which um, is a very tough task. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm joined today by Brian Buskis, who has been in the industry for, for since there was an industry, pretty much. Uh, Brian, do you want to introduce yourself quickly? Sure. Thanks, Esther. Great to be here. Great to um, weigh in and be a part of this uh, podcast. And uh, yeah, I've been in the gaming industry for the past 15 years. Had had the opportunity to work um, network side as, as one of the co-founders and early early players at Ad Colony and Rewarded Video to um, um, playable only platforms like uh, App on Board, where I was the COO um, and one of the co-founders to be in publisher side and working at billion dollar publishers like Activision to um, small independent publishers like Rogue Games. So I love spending uh, the time around performance teams and performance and data that's right in my wheelhouse. But I've spent the last 10 years really focused on video creative and uh, working with the biggest performance teams in the world, uh, both gaming and non-gaming, to make that uh, creative work and and drive ROI and and results. Amazing. So you've seen it pretty much from uh, every side of the funnel that we could possibly see, which is awesome. Um, You know, I guess first and foremost, before we actually delve in and and kind of get down and dirty with creatives and and how we want to look at that, what would you say are... uh, is the biggest difference between being on the publisher side versus um, kind of uh, working more the the agency side, the services side? What are the considerations that you're taking differently? How does that look? Yeah, it's a great question. I think um, on the publisher side, I've seen both. Uh, 15 years ago, um, when I worked in console and PC games at at Activision, there was not this real-time digital data Postbacks and MMPs didn't even didn't even exist. Uh, you know, APIs barely existed. So, you, as you can imagine, there were you know challenges with with real time data and real time trends. And usually, you were relying on data from uh, consumer studies and focus groups and uh, retail um, numbers that you're getting from stores about purchases and pulling all that together. To today. We're like, it's only been 15 years um, um, when you're on the network side, right? You've got billions of impressions, billions of data points every day, every week, every month. At Tube Science today is one of the largest producers of performance video that's conversion optimized across social and all channels. We launched what I like to think of as 10,000 new video experiments a month, right? And those experiments generate mass quantities of data about 
personas and talent and and barriers and objections to drive conversions, whether that's a free trial, whether that's an app download, whether that's a uh, um, a real money deposit in a in a real money game. Um, you know, you see so much data today. I think that's the most exciting part about being kind of platform side or partner side is, is you you have so much data, you know, unless you're lucky to be at the number one publisher in the world and have some of those big games, you have that kind of data when you're platform side, you're, you're you kind of have your foot on the, uh, uh, your finger on the pulse of uh, trends across all platforms. So I'd love to talk a little bit about the evolution of, you know, uh, you had video back in the day of video ad at which, uh, probably wasn't auto-playing even at some point you were clicking or or straightforward video where you're focusing almost like a TV commercial on ads. And obviously we've evolved past that. I mean, we're talking playables and, and live action and different features there. What would you say has been, um, you know, if, if we're looking at uh, today, where has this evolution led us? So how have we kind of arrived at uh, the point today where we're looking at different types of creatives? What does somebody need to keep in mind given where we are? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that's evolved, I mean, we've seen it go from zero, I'd say to a thousand and we're not even, you know, we're, I still feel like every day we're just getting started. So 10 years ago when we started Ad Colony and created rewarded video and learned about this new placement inside of games and, uh, worked with advertisers to build some of the very first mobile video ads there was no measurement on the installs. There was no, everything back then was incentivized installs about clicks and, and rewards. Um, but some of the earliest partners who we built creative with, we quickly saw, hey, these users coming in are leading to more organics, to more value. Um, the users who seem to come in from a video versus an offer wall versus a banner or display ad tend to be more valuable. And um, really those were the first, I think, you know, the first big publishers, the fastest growing mobile only companies and mobile game developers that figured that out, say, hey, something different is happening with, with video ads. And so that led to, to more and more video, obviously more and more video ad networks and SDK networks to, to even where we are today on the biggest social platforms. I'd say, you know, if you were just to say, hey, Facebook and video, now there's, you know, hundreds of different placements, contexts, uh, where video shows up across the platform. Um, and in particular, right, it's not, there's never a one size fits all, right? Um, and so the biggest advertisers, the biggest partners are really leveraging. You have to tailor that creative, that video to that micro audience, sometimes even down to the individual player, right? Knowing why this persona plays the game what they love about it, also what they hate about it, right? To be able to tailor native content to them. And even on platforms like Facebook today, we see with live action, we can run two minute videos in stream, right? In between, and people will watch, people will connect, people will engage, which, uh, you know, I think we've seen the evolution from just simple 30 second gameplay videos to, complex, you know, all sizes, shapes, and forms of video today. And then obviously with playables adds, uh, you know, a whole new interactivity piece to video, whether that's the whole video, um, you know, we've seen brands launch uh, interactive, choose your own adventure type video. So you actually 
you know, uh, pick which way that video goes in the commercial. If it's a car commercial, learning about the wheels or the the interior or, or the speed and the performance or, or a game, you know, figuring out which part of that game to playables today or end cards, right? Where that offer interactivity on different networks and it really speak to different types of players, right? You know, why do you have to go download the whole game just to try it? You know, why can't you sample it directly in the video? And so I think that's super exciting. And that's what I love is seeing the biggest gaming partners and publishers in the world, right? Push the limits of interactivity and video across um, all the biggest kind of advertising platforms in the world. So how do we balance this? I mean, you have this this kind of concept of, you know, I, I connect with what you're saying where you can actually use, especially when you're in gaming and you're in an audience that you really recognize and that you know what they're passionate about. How do you balance catering a, you know, a two minute video for that audience will never work on the broad audience who are, or, you know, kind of a new to network exposure that you're trying to get. How do you balance this strategy of kind of speaking really to the audiences that you know you can grab versus trying to uh, catch as many as you can with, uh, you know, with a uh, relatively limited effort? Yeah, it's a great question. I think as as machines have taken over advertising, right, and, and data and audiences, and and we go through privacy, you know, this, this whole trend really started three, four years ago, you know, with GDPR and CCPA and, and where we are today, right? Uh, the machines have really taken over. So we see it as... Um, um, it really becomes a quantity type game for a big established advertiser to drive conversions and keep growing the audience. Because guess what? You know, 2020 brought us a lot of things we didn't expect, but it brought us a lot of new first-time gamers. It expanded the pie of first-time, you know, mobile gamers, right? So as an advertiser, if I put myself back in publisher shoes and I've, I've got a game, right? How do I make that game, you know, um, even appeal or even speak to this audience? I probably don't even have that much data because these are like first time gamers that came in in this, you know, once in a lifetime uh, event that we all experienced last year. And so um, I can tell you at Tube Science, we accomplish this through scale and volume, you know, by launching um, 10,000 plus video experiments a month and seeing what converts, we can build and combine videos with you know, different segments, different on-ramps, different actors, different visual devices that we know resonate with these, with these audiences. Um, and it really becomes more science than it becomes art at that point, right? Um, yes, the art and the video and the creative does matter, but it's really the variety that matters. And you know, I think we've seen time and time again, games have to leverage gameplay. It's tough to sell a game with, with zero gameplay. Um, then again, for these first-time users, um, you know, they're used to seeing testimonials and, and UGC and buying direct-to-consumer products that don't usually have that kind of branding or brand recognition, right? So they're used to trying things. So we see it really comes down to breadth and variety of um, of creative. And um, I think, uh, um, you know, you've seen people even leverage celebrity, right? Um, you know, I remember working with uh, the Supercell team, you know, five years, six years ago on the very first mobile game in a Super Bowl commercial with Clash of Clans and Liam Neeson to, I think in the following year, there were three celebrity ads for mobile games. And the next year there were five, and now we're back to zero. Right. So um, there's definitely trends and, and different ways you can take video. Um, but I think for all of us as consumers today, right, on social media with new platforms emerging like TikTok or Snap, 
it's not the one video that you can expect to work across all platforms. That's, you know, if you found that, you found gold, and I'd say, you know, back up the <laughs> truck, and your UA team's gonna gonna love you. But uh, um, you know, in general, there are so many platforms, so many formats that it really becomes a volume game and more of a data game and a science game than than it becomes just purely a a art game in building that you know super polished thirty second trailer that you know a traditional product or brand marketer would would think is 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 really the end game. Yeah, I think that's probably more challenging on the publisher side where you kind of, you know, you really have this, um, the attachment to the game and the beauty of the brand and you know the cinematic quality there. So it becomes very difficult to disconnect from the art, like you're saying, of, of creating a pure video that hits all your kind of company goals and your product goals and everything that you have there versus it sounds like you basically have a bank of, you know, these are elements that we can capture and these are different ways that we present and how do we mix and match it, you know, on mass scale until we find the right combination to hit each user group. Exactly. Even for us in live action, right? We know having cast, you know, 10,000 plus talent into performance video ads, right? We know which talent works with which demo, with which persona, with which type of products, right? Whether that's a hair care product, direct to consumer hair care product, or a you know uh, match three type game, right? Um, these things all overlap in a crazy matrix these days, right? But you know, you know what people respond to, what drives that conversion. And I think in today's market, if you don't know that, if you're not running the quantity of experiments to figure that out, it becomes tough, right? It becomes really hit or miss. You say, hey, I tried live action and it didn't work, so. I didn't do it again for, you know, two, three years till I brought in some new team and, and they want to do it again. Or I tried celebrity and I, I spent a million dollars on a Super Bowl commercial and it, it, it worked, but it was like marginal. So I'd never try it again. Right. But I think um, we definitely see all the platforms have moved towards more just native content, more personalized stuff. You know, this, the ad on TikTok is going to look that works for your app download or your game is going to look and feel very different from Snapchat, even though. As a marketer, you might think, oh, yeah, they probably have common elements and similar things. But oftentimes, it's something that's very different and has to be kind of built and tested platform by platform. Although there are those, you know, gameplay type, uh, you know, experiences where, yeah, maybe there's that wow moment, you know, that that made it into that Super Bowl spot with with Liam Neeson and Clash of Clans or with Kate Upton and, and Game of War. But, you know maybe that's only relevant for your more competitive, your more, you know, highly engaged audience. What about this broad set of new users that just came in last year who are first time gamers on their mobile device, you know, somewhere in the world, because it is a massive quantity of uh, new players, right. That that just came into gaming and, and haven't been in gaming for 15 years, having seen gaming evolve from males, 18 to 34, who live in their basement with their parents and, you know, own a console and PC. That was literally gaming 15 years ago, right? To today, it is, I always play this game and I, I would argue it's every single person in the world is a gamer. And I think, you know, once you have kids, you say, hey, you know, very young age, you know, playing tic-tac-toe, that's a game. Playing, you know, uh, charades, that's a game, right? I, my, by my definition, everyone in the world is a gamer whether or not you play on a digital device yet, I think that's only a matter of time because the quantity of games that are out there, the flavors of games. And so that's kind of where we are with video and with performance advertising these days is you have to have the creative that speaks to that, that player and that user 
which, um, you know, is a very tough task. Uh, you know, if it was just as easy as, you know, hiring the best creative agency and building that best spot and, and running it, um, you know, on the brand side, it, it still may be to build that awareness or win those awards and, and help lift your overall metrics. But on a performance basis, it's, it's a very kind of personal thing we see across all the platforms of what people respond to and what's interesting to them. Do your KPIs change across, um, you know, platforms? Do you have, do you find that you need to have different targets when you're looking at, say, a TikTok versus, um, you know, Facebook or, or a specific gaming network? And I'd, I'd add even on to that, both by platform are your KPIs changing, but also by type, you know, do you have different metrics that you're looking at for a playable than you would for maybe a more traditional video ad? Yeah, I would even go a step for, further to say, even on the big paid social platforms by placement, right? What shows up in a feed where you're scrolling is is very, very different than what shows up in a rewarded video opt-in view of a video, right? And what works. So um, I think, um, you know, with playables has been interesting because uh, having started a playable creative company and seeing the first versions of playable emerge on platforms like i'd say you know ad colony five six seven years ago they took en- engineers they took tons of technical experience to build these things um, and you know big publishers made them really popular um, but today right clearly it doesn't work everywhere um, and even on like your connected tv right where you see some of these performance ads these days right you can't run a playable on your tv but um, you do see that uh, you can drive different types of engagement, you know, by placement, by platform. But to your question, yes, absolutely, right? There are different metrics. You know, if you're in a feed-based environment on one social platform and you're looking at things like thumb stop and, you know, what's getting some, what's sticking out to even open the funnel, you can't even get to clicks and conversions and, and downstream metrics like, you know, ROAS on other platforms. I think probably the challenge for marketers is really across all platforms, you know, everybody deduces something to a CPE or a CPA or a CPM, and they make it feel like it's the same across all platforms because we all see these same metrics in the reports. But when you get to the creative level, right, I think you see and you dig in, you see very different things by placement, by platform. And so, yeah, I think most, most, partners today will still test on big social platforms because they have the most robust data and testing platforms to really see creatively what's going to work. But you have to be careful. You can't say, okay, this worked on Facebook. Now it's going to work on, on Snapchat or TikTok or whatever the new platform is that emerges, you know, next year clubhouse. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I was just talking about how clubhouse, nothing makes me feel older on earth than Clubhouse because I have no idea how it works or I, I still get it at all. Um, and it, it, uh, it hurts a little bit to know that I'm of that generation. Um, but Me you know, too. one Me of the too. things, <laughs> one of the things that I've been hearing also is, you know, sometimes it's, it's really connects to what you say. You have the kind of standard metrics that you're used to looking at. And when you're presenting in front of your, you know, kind of your team of decision makers, you're kind of presenting CPI here versus CPI here and, and what's more cost efficient, but there's also, you know, TikTok, for example, and YouTube are two examples of channels. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, I get every, we have a lot of people there from our audience, but I can't get the performance metrics right. And I think one of the things that a lot of companies are starting to say is, you know, maybe there's not the direct click through, but there's, there's a branding effect here. It's almost like an influencer. When you're seeing TikTok, you see a video 
it might actually hit by sticking with the user in a way that's not about clicking on it as an ad, but sticking with it as a as a memory of this is something I want to do. And now when I'm thinking about the game that I want to play or the app that I want to download, this is kind of front to mind. And now I'm downloading not from a click, but because of this ad itself. Yeah, I'd say even outside of games today, we work with a lot of partners, you know, who are in direct-to-consumer e-commerce type companies who are some of the biggest advertisers on paid social. And yeah, for them, they're not selling you that free trial or subscription right out of the gate, right? They're selling you, take the quiz, you know, tell me about your hairstyle and let's see if this, <laughs> this product is for you. Actually, one of our partners just ran a Super Bowl ad. Um, speaking of Super Bowl ads was a uh, Dr. Squatch, who's uh, one of our partners, ran a big Super Bowl ad for men's soap, which is like super awesome. But, um, you know, I think, uh, again, like selling men's soap, um, you know, on social and standing out in a market of, you know, behemoth uh, CPG companies <laughs> takes a very different approach, right, to... Uh, um, resonate with with your target audience right clearly it's probably not all men care about the soap they want to use but um there's obviously a big a big pocket out there that does and you know why these companies are some of the the fastest growing and and most successful um type partners um and you you do see them even you know at some point shift into brand right it's kind of i think it's interesting because most big companies used to start at brand and try to learn performance versus Companies today now are, they learn performance, they grow the business. And at some point they say, okay, brand makes sense to kind of lift all boats and drive, increase our conversion across all ads by increasing awareness, right? Or, or building an actual image for our company or our product. And, and that's, I think, you know, very interesting, but to the point, you know, most of us are um, transactional type people. We're used to clicking on ads and buying something or trying something in the world of games and apps, you know, 99% are free, right? So the only limiting factor I always say is, is the amount of space on your device and your connection speed, right? Other than that, there's nothing stopping you from giving a test run to a app or game, right? But I think the most successful apps and games in the world, obviously, you know, they care, they build the most successful, you know, pages and conversion points on the stores that stand out. They have the best tutorial and user onboarding experiences. And oftentimes in video and playable, those are things that you can bring out or tap into, right? I think, you know, playables, um, you know, one of the approaches early on was to take even uh, your tutorial and like take it into the ad. So have the ad actually be your, your trial or starting the tutorial to see to like pre-qualify you before you even, you know, download the full game. Um, and actually at app on board, we, we did a similar thing with, with Google where we had a very kind of public, um, um, partnership around the try now button and instant apps on the Google play store where we basically created so many playables for so many partners that we said, Hey, wouldn't it be awesome if you could try an app before you, deleted five others to make room to even try that app and some of these games today i mean we're, we're going crazy with file sizes and talking gigabytes and gigabytes right for the biggest multiplayer games that um you know i think uh, the consumer is always looking to sa- sampling things faster has more decisions than ever before so those are all the things that to me really stand out is how do you how do you kind of pique someone's interest on um, at that top of the funnel but then how do you move them through that funnel, right? As fast as possible to get them into the game, to get them through the trial, to get them 
through the quiz and, and using the product, right, to drive that enjoyment, to drive that experience. Because I think that's what a lot of these games and everything are now s- selling is an experience, whether that's competition or friends or maybe just an escape. You know, mobile gaming is just a form of entertainment and, and escape, you know, five minutes of, of joy or, or fun. But to someone else, it's, you know, that same five minute of escape is, you know, a, a five minute like competitive, um, you know, uh, uh, minutes where they just need to, to disconnect. We're not riding the subway anymore and, and playing games in these you know, short segments. We are actually like, you know, playing more mobile games than ever before, whether that's first time users or, you know, uh, the most hardcore multiplayer, you know, uh, mobile gamers with the longest session times. I think it's such, it's something that I think the industry is really moving towards, you know, kind of naturally, but this idea that you don't just create a brilliant ad, you know, it's not enough because the download is not the the success metric for most apps. You know, a download just gets you one more foot in the door. You don't get the commitment and you don't get the, you know, kind of the revenue off of the download. Meaning if you're setting up something on the, uh, you know, the ad side and you're investing there and you don't think about how it speaks back to the product and you're not tying in that onboard. Like, I love the idea that you bring in the onboarding from the app into already the ad side because you're starting that flow and you're, it's just such a seamless transition. I think it makes so much more sense than, you know, I think the, the example that, uh, that we always go back to is like, uh, the Playrix, you know, they have, the meta game and the mini game, which is so appealing on the ad side. And you have to rely on the fact that the gameplay is that addicting that you can pull users through until they reach that point of what it was they were looking for. Yeah. The only thing I scratch my head on still these days is this whole thing around like fake playables, right? Like the idea that an ad could be something, um, total, so misrepresenting of the game itself, right. That you see an experience, it looks cool. You end up at the store and there you have something that looks very different, right? You have screenshots and videos. And then when you download the product, you got something that probably looks and resembles more like store than it did the ad. But, you know, somehow there's, there's always someone, you know, finding ways to, to lower CPIs and, and get clicks and, you know, get broaden the audience for their game. So, you know, that's mobile gaming and that's what I love. There's always going to be a new way to um, reach people, right? And pique their interest. Um, at the end of the day, is that your most valuable user who's going to, you know, back out on a, you know, day seven ROAS benchmark? I don't know, right? But, uh, you know, I can say 10 years ago, the download was enough. That's what we cared about because it moved you up the charts and uh, just buying downloads was the predominant way you paid for mobile ads was on a pure download basis. To today, it's like, CPI is basically, you know, I, I don't know a single large performance advertiser company that that really cares about CPI. It's not even in the top three metrics you really look at because you know, like, hey, this user, I'm okay paying $100 for this install from, you know, this, this high household user income user if I have a lot of signals that know they're going to, you know, back out to, you know, spend $300 in my mobile game or, you know some of these mobile games, 10,000 plus dollars, right? I mean, these are <laughs> crazy amounts that people spend in these games. Um, and um, I guess that's what I love about mobile games is there's kind of a flavor for everyone, right? And there's an onboarding point, there's there's content for everyone, there's different gameplays, experiences, and there's even new genres we, we invent every couple of years. Like nobody would have saw, I've seen hyper casual come out of uh, nowhere. There was no kind of 
data that would have said this would have become a big thing or a multi, you know, billion dollar industry, right? To, you know, and everybody always says, oh, it's it's ending or it's it's going away. And here we are, like Still it just not. keeps growing. It's, <laughs> it's like a big, a big snowball that just keeps uh, you know, coming up with with new ways and new content to uh, build build games that appeal appeal to different types of users. I mean, how how do you innovate then? I mean, we've been you, you've been seeing kind of the explosion from we talked about the the earlier days of, of the smaller scale of what it meant to kind of advertise in a new way. Um, I mean, it's something you've been doing on pretty much every side over the last 10, 15 years. But how how do you innovate in a market that is so heavily tested that everyone is kind of throwing into? How do you create something that actually breaks the mold that sets a new standard? Yeah, no, it's a great question and something probably every, you know, in-house creative team scratches their head with every head of UA, every CMO. You know, if you're the CMO at a big mobile gaming company, right, and you're balancing brand and performance, and um, obviously it starts with the product, right? That's kind of table stakes, um, which unfortunately today in, in mobile gaming, let's say, right, is, is probably one of the most competitive markets in the world with, I don't know, 2 million plus games on the App Store, 3 million plus games, and, you know, tens of thousands launched like every day, every week. To, I think, uh, and then privacy, like we mentioned, right, GDPR, CCPA, iOS 14, IDFA, all of this movement towards, you know, less data, less targeting, more consumer privacy means that kind of creative is one of your last frontiers that uh, you have to become an expert at. You have to, that's the one place you can really innovate, I'd say, as a marketer. And the good part about, I guess, every platform being run by machines and trained, you know, on, on people and, and what, what, what we all like and what we engage with and what we use is that the cost to test things keeps coming down, right? The cost to test keeps going down. You know, maybe someday it's, you know, it's almost zero, right? That there, you can literally, so at that point you're, no amount of video or no amount of creative is going to be enough, right? You could basically test everything. And if you can test, produce enough, test fast enough, you can find what works. And that's what really drives um, innovation, I'd say, on the creative side, right, is finding those things that can stick out. Uh, maybe it's something that sticks out across the whole platform, but maybe you found the best ad ever that, that you know, can take over the whole network and share a voice in, for ad colony. Or maybe it's that one that sticks out in feed on Facebook, right? And you can take advantage of, you know, lower CPMs and less competition and own that. But I can guarantee it's probably a totally different type of creative that you would only get through, especially with video through mass testing, you know, mass scale. And so that's part of the fun is, is I'd say being on the creative side is working with the internal teams who have been building gameplay and they know the products the best and, putting that together with all of the platforms and the data about what's driving performance, because when you get that kind of synergy and you get those great creatives and those great minds and the data working together, that's where you can find, you know, I think nobody celebrates a creative winner today, you know, more than before. And every week it's almost more, right? If, if your creative team or in-house team or your external partners, right, create a new winning creative that's 50% better, that's a game changer for your business. That literally will unlock millions of spend, millions of downloads, you know, millions of dollars in ROI and ROAS. And so the, the stakes for that winning creative had never been higher. 
but I think that's kind of like the the last frontier at this point as we the machines have taken over and, and data privacy has become so consumer centric. Yeah. All right. One uh, one last one for me. What is your favorite trend that you're seeing today? I mean, what's been uh, what's the coolest thing in your mind that's out in uh, in the world of uh, of creative today? And creative. Um, you know, I, I'm really focused on solving this this challenge with live action today. I mean, if you were to ask me five years ago, I'd say, okay, celebrity and influencers, right? This is a super interesting category trend. And, and sure, yeah, if you can get that influencer who is really a fan of your product, who really plays your product to, to talk about it, right, on, on Twitch or on, on YouTube, yeah, obviously that's, you know, amazingly valuable. But I think, you know, in today's world, I've kind of seen influencer type stuff becomes less relevant because oftentimes it's paid, it's paid promotion. It's not a real deep player or fan, right? Um, you know, influencers started out, right? Just promoting products they loved, right? That their audience loved. And that was a natural fit to today where so much of it is paid. So, you know, I'm, I'm really focused on solving this problem with live action where it's really, uh, you know, mass producing scripted, um, um, content, you know, it's no different from the entertainment companies and, and OTT and, you know, Disney plus and, and Netflix and Hulu, right. There's, there's so much content out there. And the same thing as there are 2 million, 3 million plus games, whatever the number is, right. Um, is finding new ways to make those creatives stand out and work on the platforms. And, you know, I think even more exciting, you know, what's interesting is, is seeing these new platforms emerge and evolve like TikTok. We just became a you know TikTok creative partner, but I feel like we're we're still in the early days, right? To understand the platform and understand how users on the platform react to ads and how to drive value on the platform, not just clicks, not just installs, but you know commerce and transactions and and return on ad spend. So to me, that's super exciting. But if you look at I'd say the the last two big social platforms to emerge, Snapchat, and I'd say now TikTok. They're all about user-generated content and being very personalized and, you know, for, for you, the user. So if you think about like, what is, what is the ad? It's probably not that 30 second stock footage creative that's going to resonate. And, and, you know, if you talk to most performance advertisers, say, well, I tried that and I can't get, you know, TikTok to work for me or Snapchat, but, um, Super excited about, you know, what we've been seeing with partners as you build that personalized type creative, right, that puts players and users first. That to me is super exciting. And if you can mass produce that stuff, right, and, and tie data to it, um, you know, I guess uh, that's, that's really where you're going to find this innovation. You're going to find the new breakout creative. I mean, I love it when uh, our whole business model is about finding that winning creative. And so, you know, just as the internal team is trying to, you know, uh, you got some great idea and you go in the next day and you build some awesome new, you know, gameplay capture or, or create animation. Um, you know, we're, we're doing the same, right. Um, but we're doing it based on data. Right. And I think that's exciting to look at those trends, to look at where consumers are going because, you know, uh, like yourself, like I'm a, I'm a new user to clubhouse yet. I was on there last night listening <laughs> to, you know, investors talk about, glue and the acquisition by electronic arts and you know it was going on for like two hours and there i was like still like super interesting content and and great that you know you know what do, what do ads look like and what does performance and ads look like 
on Clubhouse down the road, right? Right now there's just content there, but you know, as you see new platforms and new trends emerge, that to me is super exciting. But I'd say the world for performance advertisers is only getting you know more more complex to understand each of these platforms and how to drive. So, you know, I think I see the best partners in the world focus on on platforms and and really build something from the ground up, not try to have that one size fits all type of creative approach to all platforms. I think those days have kind of long gone and, and sadly those, those same efficiencies you can't enjoy. Um, and, uh, you know, if you look at partners like, you know, the real money gaming space, I'd say like partners like skills, I think if you look in Facebook ads library, they launched like 2000 videos just in the month of December like 2000 videos, like that is a lot of content. And, uh, you know, I think that gives you the sense of the scale of where the market is today, right. Versus I've, I've also been on the other side as a small indie publisher, right. Where, yeah, maybe I could build, you know, two videos a week or two videos a month. That's a really hard game to play these days. Um, especially, especially in gaming where you have, you know, the biggest creative teams in the world. I think that's, I mean, what you're saying really hits, which is it's not about looking at the world of advertisement so much as it's looking at the world of consumers. What's shifting now, not in how other companies are advertising, but in how people are engaging. And that I think is probably why you've uh, made it for the last 15 years, kind of uh, writing these different things. Um, Brian, tell me, where can people find you to uh, to learn more, to, uh, to hear what else you're working on? Great question. Yeah, the LinkedIn's great. You know, I, I love expanding my LinkedIn network and connecting with with everyone across the genres, partners, uh, um, different players across the ecosystem, gaming, non-gaming, you name it. Um, I am on Twitter and other social and I'm learning on Clubhouse. So, you know, maybe some point we'll <laughs> pop on Clubhouse and, uh, you know, have a, have a little chat. But uh, LinkedIn is great um, or email. Just brian.buskis at tubescience.com is a quick way to uh, reach me. But I'm always happy to connect, always trying to stay on top of these trends and uh, really be inspired by, you know, all these biggest performance advertisers every day who are, you know, putting data and performance first and foremost, right, to react to all these trends, all these platforms. That to me, that's what gets me up every morning. That's what, you know, keeps me going because I feel like uh, we're pushing the industry forward in a very consumer centric way with uh, much more relevant content that's engaging and driving commerce, not just, uh, you know, I 15 years ago in gaming advertising, um, you know, at a big multi-billion dollar publisher where I was, right. It was all about brand because there wasn't this data, there wasn't this scalable types of creative. And, and a lot of these platforms didn't even exist back then, right. Snapchat and, and other platforms weren't even, weren't even around TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Like none of these, so you look at where we are today and yeah, Facebook's still, a, you know, one of the biggest pieces of the puzzle and, you know, excited to see how people innovate there because that, if you can innovate there, there's, there's big prizes for, you know, creative innovation and performance. But I think, you know, now there's, 10 other platforms that are just as, you know, relevant or growing faster, right? That if you can figure them out early on, right, you're going to have a lot of, uh, a lot of happy, uh, you're going to make friends with your finance department and uh, <laughs> other departments um, inside your company as a publisher, right? That, uh, you know, are going to unlock more growth budgets and, and more testing, more resources for you. And I think um, if I had to leave with one thing, I'd say, um, you know, uh, I come from the world where, where marketing was an expense on the P&L and your budget was fixed. 
right? Um, on January 1st, your plan, you know, you, you had $100 million in budget for the year and it was no bigger or, you know, no smaller to today where all the biggest performance companies, marketing is a revenue driver because of all the data, because of the creative, because of all the innovation across all the platforms over the last, you know, 10 plus year. To me, that's super exciting. It really is the new era of, um, you know, growth marketing and performance marketing. And despite the hurdles of privacy and data and, you know, machines um, um, taking over, um, you know, I'm confident that this, you know, these are the best marketers in the world that we all work with and some of the smartest, you know, uh, growth marketers in the world that, have all the tools, have the data to um, continue to innovate and drive growth and success. So to me, that's what inspires me. That's what gets me up and love talking to anyone about creative or, you know, where they are and uh, collaborating across kind of all areas of the business. Amazing. Brian, thank you so, so much for the time and really looking forward to, uh, to seeing what's next and what else you can with. Great. Thank you. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. Find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at StoreMaven, thanks for listening.